Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. It is always great to talk basketball with my friend Chris Dorch. He is the main man with a Blue Ribbon College Basketball yearbook, which is out. It is done. I've received my copy, Chris. I have not read all 404 pages yet, but uh, I'm, I'm working on it the, the, the fast as fast as I can. Um, <laughs> congratulations. It's it's unbelievably well done as always. And, uh, man, it's it's always a treat and, and feels like basketball is not too far away when you get that blue ribbon. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I actually got an email from a guy. Uh, he said uh, we released the – the, uh, it's important to note the book itself is still at the printer. We've released, uh, and you're referring to the iPad version or right. tablet version. Uh-huh. And one of our longtime fans uh, wrote me an email the other day, and he said, uh, I read the book, another, jo- another job well done. And I wrote him back, and it was only like three days after we'd released it. And I said, did you read the whole thing? And uh, he, he hasn't responded yet. But we used to have a guy that said he would stay awake for 48 hours until he read the whole thing. And, I mean, there's 650,000 words in the book. The, that guy must have he must have had a caffeine drip or something going. Yeah, I, I've uh, got about 648,000 words to go. So I, I've, I've read some of it. <laughs> Well, you, the first thing I know that you do, I'm, I'm sure that you do, is is you, you look at the schedule of, of the school that you happen to be calling games for. Now it's Vanderbilt. Uh, congrats again on that. Thank you. Uh, after 18 years, was it, with Belmont? Yep. And you would look at the opponents that Belmont played. And uh, for, for somebody like you, that sort of gives a leg up. Oh, it- You're not going to find – that much under one umbrella uh, anywhere about, you know, 30 opponents. Yeah. For, for people who call games or cover games, it's invaluable because yeah, you don't get the kind of in-depth coverage on teams that, that are maybe a little off the beaten path for, for some of the national people that you can get in blue ribbon where it's a comprehensive look at, at 300 plus teams. So it's, it's the best thing you can come up with for, for, certainly for what I do. And yeah, I've already read the Vanderbilt preview. Uh, I've read a few of the others. I, I skimmed through the SEC and a little bit of the uh, top 25. So again, a job well done. Chris, uh, tell folks where they can find it if they if they want to go ahead and get that uh, copy of the tablet version of Blue Ribbon. Absolutely. It's blueribbonyearbook.com. You can just go on there and order the tablet version. Uh, it's sixteen ninety five. And as soon as you order, make sure you put your email address in. You'll get a link and can download it right away. You can read it on computers and laptops, iPads, just about anything that will read a PDF. And what's cool about it, uh, I think, is one of the cool things, is that the table of contents is, is hot linked. You can click or tap any school or conference and be taken right to it. And then... We list every team's official website, and that's also uh, wired. So you, you tap on that. If you need to know the schedule or any updates, you can immediately go to it. So it's a useful little tool. I've started using it more. You know me. I, I mean, I'm as print a guy as print can be. But, yeah. you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And I put it on my iPhone, my iPad. I've got I'm looking at a 
a copy on my computer right now. So it's just, uh, I don't know, it's it, along with our spiral bound edition, which has been proven to be our bestseller now. Sure. We've done both of those within the last 10 to 12 years. And we used to have the, the old reliable, perfect bound edition. And these two new newcomers have, have really done well. Yeah, the spiral one is, is great, too. I've, I've used all three of the above uh, in terms of... Next time I see you, I'll bring you one of those. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be fantastic. So, Chris, today when I was at work earlier, uh, we had moved to a new office that's down in the uh, the bottom of Memorial Gym. So around, oh, that's cool. around 1, one thirty today, I got up out of my chair and I went around the corner and I walked down the hallway and I turned the corner and there was basketball practice. And I, I went and I wow. sat up in the stands and watched practice for about, uh, I don't know, half an hour or so. And it just kind of made me feel good, like basketball isn't too far away, which really the, the season is only about a month away from getting started. But uh, it's fun to be in that building and not to have to go over. I don't have to drive anywhere or anything like that. I can just walk around the corner and then uh, check out some hoops. But, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch that. I know teams all around the country are getting started with practice. So uh, it it's, makes you feel like the season's not very far away. Uh, a couple news items uh, one that uh, gets me a little worried about something that would actually uh, apply to me. The uh, Maui Invitational was supposed to be played you know, around Thanksgiving, as always. That tournament has been moved to Las Vegas, so uh, they will not be making the trip to Maui, which is on my bucket list of uh, places to go to, to call basketball. I, I've wanted to go to that for years. But we are scheduled with Vanderbilt to go play in the Diamond Head Tournament in Honolulu in December around Christmas time. So with that move by Maui, it makes me wonder, okay, might there be a change with with the Hawaii tournament that we're scheduled to play in? So I guess kind of stay tuned for that. Hopefully not. I've been looking forward to going to Hawaii and, and uh, checking another state off the list, but uh, we'll see what happens there. And uh, I got to think if there's going to be a decision made, maybe it's pretty soon. You know, with, with the Maui one, it's only probably about seven weeks away or so. So I guess they went decided to go ahead and make the change. And I know Hawaii has had a little tighter restrictions for for COVID than maybe other places have. And uh, that was probably one of the concerns there instead of bringing a bunch of people out there for a basketball tournament. Yeah, I saw that today and, and I was, I was surprised, but not shocked. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you know, last year they played Maui and Asheville, North Carolina, and <laughs> it did so well that Asheville decided and the Southern conference decided to uh, put another little tournament up. And instead, I think it's just four teams, but uh, it's going to be a cool little event there. But yeah, it it's it really to me it it sort of validated a decision I made not to run schedules again in our book. We work so hard to get you know schedules and we don't even get them all and and sometimes they're just partials and last year we thought it would be a fool's errand uh because of you know how spotty the schedule schedules would be and this year I just felt the same way and we would have the book would have been inaccurate because we would have typed in all those schedules with, you know, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Butler, Houston, Oregon, St. Mary's and Notre Dame. And they would all said Maui Invitational sure. in, uh, in Hawaii. And I mean, that's just a small example, but there'll be changes. Unfortunately, I, I we're not rid of this thing yet. I, I do believe we're, we're starting to show some progress again. Uh, uh, as that Delta variant kind of burns out and and uh, people are getting maybe the third dose of vaccines. And I hope, I really hope that we can see uh, 
uh, as close to normal a season. There's a quadruple header uh, in Atlanta that I want to go to. Uh-huh. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's got LSU, Auburn, and Ole Miss in it uh, among, from the SEC. Uh, and then, obviously, the other uh, other teams that are involved, too. But, boy, to, to see that much hoops in, in one day in one place, that would be really cool. Yeah. I, I've been t- sort of plotting my hoped-for schedule. And, uh, you know, I want to go – see you and and uh the doors i, I want to see games in nashville again and our, our our buddy greg sage from belmont has invited me to to see them and you know we had casey alexander on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and belmont is a team that could really really scare some people this year and i definitely want to get by and see them so uh, it'll be interesting one thing uh, you mentioned, Belmont. One thing we should say is congratulations to Rick Bird. Uh, he is going to get the John R. Wooden Legends of Coaching Award. That was announced uh, as we record this today. It was announced by uh, John Wooden's grandson-in-law at the uh, L.A. Athletic Club. So the uh, award will be uh, going in Coach Bird's direction in April. He will receive that. Uh, congratulations, one of the one of the all-time best dudes in basketball. One of my favorite people oh, yeah. I've, I've ever met in sports. Um, so congratulations to Rick Bird. Uh, that, that's one of the highest honors you can get in college basketball. So uh, congrats to Coach Bird winning the uh, John Wooden Legends of Coaching Award. That's, that's very cool. Good for him. I'm hearing that for the first time. So uh, I'm getting some news uh, myself. I, I, Yeah, very deserving, and it won't be the last honor that, that he'll get. Uh, I'm sure he'll be in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame one day. and uh, Much deserved. and I, I think not only was he a good guy and a good coach, a great coach, but he was an innovator too. Sure. Uh, and I, I can, you know, I can point you to many uh, schools that are in blue ribbon. I know because I read every, every team that emulate what he did at Belmont and it, and you know, it's, it's a successful way to do things. And uh, that program's going to be moving to a new conference, too, next season. will be moving to the uh, Missouri Valley Conference out of the uh, the OVC, where uh, Belmont's had a great run in that league for several years since the uh, 2012-2013 season was Belmont's first year in the, in the Ohio Valley Conference. So they'll play one more year in that league and then move to the Missouri Valley, which I, I think is a great fit. And I got a feeling uh, that they may not be the last edition that conference has. I wonder, uh, you know, maybe there, there's some speculation that maybe Murray State could uh, be there as well, which – to me, Belmont and Murray kind of go together these days. It's become such a great rivalry uh, in, you know, call it mid-major, call it whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, and I think uh, part of it, too, is is you go to the Missouri Valley, you, you got a chance, if you don't necessarily win the uh, the conference tournament, to still get a bid to the NCAA tournament because that's, that's not necessarily a, a one-bid league. So uh, I, I think that's a good move for, for Belmont or for, for any school of that type uh, that, that would – uh, see themselves fitting into the Missouri Valley. That, that just seems like a natural one to me. I, I think it was a great move. It was not unexpected. I'd, I'd been hearing from some sources that uh, Belmont might be on the move. And, you know, if you look at the, the places they'll go, uh, can you imagine if you were still in the league, you'd be going to Chicago and, mm-hmm. and uh, all, all throughout the Midwest. And it's a league that I grew up in. Uh, watching when I was coming up, there, there was no ESPN. And on Saturday, I lived in Illinois, and we would see a Valley game 
and there'd be a Big Ten game. That's all we got. Yeah. So I gobbled those up and uh, always remember the Valley. And you're right. Uh, the Valley is, is you know, you uh, you can call it a multi-bid league. Uh, I, I think more often than not, e- even with some of the departures that they've had uh, to other leagues, uh, is, is still worthy of, of multi-bid consideration. And uh, Belmont only adds to that. Chris, let's take a look uh, before our guest arrives. By the way, our guest this week is uh, Zach Marcus, and he is the Director of Scouting and Analytics for the Duke Basketball Program. Really interesting young man. I'm looking forward to uh, our conversation with him. We're going to uh, get into some numbers, so and, and we'll find out like what's really important for coaches, what's important for fans, uh, as Zach views it. So uh, looking forward to our conversation with Zach coming up here in a couple minutes. I want to give folks a little preview of the Blue Ribbon All-America squads. We'll give them the first team. Uh, The first team for Blue Ribbon includes uh, Kofi Coburn of Illinois, Drew Timmy of Gonzaga, Johnny Juzang of UCLA, Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, and Max Abmus of uh, Oral Roberts. So that's the uh, the first team from Blue Ribbon. And your uh, preseason player of the year is Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. And I think that's a, a worthy selection. But, man, there, there's so many good players. I look at the first team, second team, third team, and fourth team. And there's not a whole lot of separation, is there, between some of these players on these uh, respective All-American teams? You know, there really isn't. Um, it, it's a struggle every year to make sure that we – come up with a representative team and it's gotten tougher I'll say uh, since Kevin Durant and and I'll tell you why Uh, before Kevin Durant and then right after him Michael Beasley and then right after that just a succession of of freshmen before KD I I might have been old school and certainly I had some writers and editors who helped me pick this were old school and would never have to have put a freshman uh, on an all American team, uh, a national all American uh, team. Uh, we, we, we have first, second, third, and fourth teams uh, without having proved himself. That was just a, I don't know. It, it, it probably wasn't very forward thinking, but after Kevin Durant, and I was fortunate enough to to be able to see him a couple of times in person, and and uh, I just thought, you know, you can't be closed-minded in, in this yeah. day and age. And uh, of that first team, we we don't have a true freshman, but uh, we've got uh, a couple on the second team, uh, and another one, another two on the fourth team. So that's the biggest thing to me is is like, okay. If you're going to pick a, a freshman, do you necessarily pick the, the, the player who was considered the number one recruit in the country? Or do you pick a player that's going to have an impact? Do you pick a player because uh, he's showing up in on the draft boards uh, as, a, as a potential high lottery pick? You know, Chet Holgram, Holmgren from Gonzaga checked off all those boxes uh, and we put him on our third team. Maybe we should have made him a little higher. He is our national preseason newcomer of the year. So it was a very Gonzaga-centric uh, <laughs> All-American team for yeah, sure. You have to be at least 6'10 and from Gonzaga to be either player of the year or newcomer of the year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, these are uh, very worthy selections of all these players. And, yeah, you're right. You know, you think back to Kevin Durant's time and, you know, some players you just kind of know, like, 
Anthony Davis when he played at Kentucky, you kind of knew that he was yeah. he was probably going to have a great season. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes guys uh, don't don't pan out, and that, that's just the way it is. But uh, oftentimes, you, if you, you kind of know it when you see it, so uh, you can check that out on page three of the uh, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Chris, let's crunch some numbers, and we brought in a great guy to do it. He is Zach Marcus, the uh, Director of Scouting and Analytics for Duke Basketball. Zach, what's going on this morning? What's up, Kevin and Chris? Thank you guys uh, for having me. Um, I'm excited to get going here, and uh, like you said, let's crunch some numbers. Yeah, this is crazy, Zach. This falls under the category of teaching an old dog new tricks. Um, I used to be of the school that you give me a season box score and I can glean anything I want. Mm-hmm. And then the more I read Ken Palm and, and eventually became a partner with Ken Palm, he provides us his numbers for blue ribbon. As you know, I began to understand the value of analytics. Some of them still confuse me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but my first question to you is, you know, you're, of the new breed of coaches who have grown up in analytics. Uh, has that always been the case? Has there ever been a time when you weren't familiar with analytics or have you grown to understand them? Uh, and I wondered how you, how that led to this job. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I definitely, I've definitely grown to understand them. Um, so when I came to Duke, I, I did not come here. Uh, I came here as, a, as an undergrad student, actually, in 2014. And, you know, when I came here, I wanted to pursue cancer research, actually. Um, and, wow. uh, and um, yeah, so that was that was what I wanted to do. And that was what I had my, my heart set on. Um, but uh, very early on, got involved uh, as a student manager with the, the men's basketball team here um, and really never looked back. I mean, I, I was able to get involved with some scouting and analytics projects as I got a little bit older as a manager. Um, and that kind of just... The, you know, that that snowballed into a full-time role here after I graduated as a video assistant and then um, was fortunate with uh, the people that I've been working with to get my hands on a lot, um, learn a lot, and grow a lot. Um, and working under my predecessor, Kevin Cullen, uh, he really taught me a lot of just about, you know, analytics as a whole and then what uh, what metrics, what analytics are important, why they're important, and how we can use them to make coaching decisions. And I guess that's one question I always have, Zach, is, you know, how do you sort of sort it out and figure out which advanced stats, metrics, analytics, which are important and you can really apply to, to help you win basketball games? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I would say, you know, just very generally for me, uh, I've never been someone and we aren't really uh, as a staff, you know, somebody that are driven solely by numbers, right? And and what I mean by that is, you know, analytics should just should be a tool to enhance your decision making. And it should provide information for you to help you make a more informed decision, right? So there are really a, a few types of, of statistics, right? You have descriptive, diagnostic, and prescriptive. And descriptive analytics just tells you what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So what was my field goal percentage? What was my points per possession in that game? And they're useful, but they don't tell you the full story and and diagnostic analytics um, help you understand why something happened. And then prescriptive analytics help you make decisions that would impact your future outcomes. So you've got those three pieces there um, that you really need to be able to tell the whole, the whole story. Um, What I, what I think is really important though, what, what we try to focus on is not necessarily just the results, but how did we get there? 
And some of the, you know, some of the metrics and analytics for that, that, that we would use and that I would think would be important would be a concept of expected points. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of times you just take a look at points per possession and how many points did I score on this possession? How many points did I score on this shot? Um, but if you take it a step further and look at expected points, then you're really able to analyze how well you're playing. You know, what's, what level of shot quality are we getting, right? Do we expect, uh, do we expect, you know, let's say we have a wide open corner three, but we miss like, that's a good shot. So would we expect to get, you know, at 40%, we would expect 1.2 points from that. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't make it, that's a shot you want every time. Um, So I think it's important uh, to take a look, not necessarily just as, you know, the, what happened, but what, uh, what could have happened, right? What, how, what types of shots we're getting. Um, and we, we would look at that on both ends of the floor. Zach, what do you think are important metrics for Joe fan to analyze? Because people can subscribe to Ken Palm. Again, he's been a trusted partner with blue ribbon for a few years now and they can analyze it, but I'm not so sure that a lay person would immediately begin to understand it. And although Ken does a great job of explaining each statistic, what would a lay person look for? Just an average fan that that might help his enhancement of the game. I would say, uh, you know, a couple of things specific to Ken Palm, right? Like Ken Palm has the, those four factors that they put. Um, And one of the biggest things that we would look at too, and that I would say fans should look at that are into sports analytics would be effective field goal percentage. And looking at that as a more accurate measure of how well you're actually shooting um, when you compare that to a field goal percentage. And the reason being because uh, it factors in three point shots being worth more than two point shots. Right. So it's a better measure, a more holistic measure um, of how how you're shooting from the floor. So that would be one thing I would say specific to Kempom too. Our guest is Zach Marcus. He is the uh, director of scouting and analytics for Duke basketball. Does it take some convincing of coaches who've been around the game a long time and are used to doing things a certain way that, that these advanced numbers can, can really help, Uh, you know, coach K, I mean, He's, he's won all the national championships and Olympics and everything you can think of, but uh, did it take a little convincing uh, with him, or has he uh, generally been pretty receptive to uh, you know, learning new ways of, of learning things and, and scouting and all the things that go into winning basketball games? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I would say, you know, Coach, Coach is pretty incredible in a lot of ways, um, but, but what he's really, really uh, incredible with is his ability to kind of – he's constantly adapting to the game. And, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, there, there were certainly weren't, uh, it wasn't this focus on advanced analytics in any sport. Um, but now with that being kind of, uh, you know, up and coming and, and a, a very important focus for a lot of programs, NBA teams and other professional sports, you know, coach has been, coach has been on the cutting edge of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, like I said, kind of in the beginning, you know, we look at it as analytics are tools to help you make an informed decision. And coach is really, I mean, coach is totally on board with that. Um, you know, he, he's been uh, as cutting edge as you can be in terms of what you want to look at, um, what types of advanced analytics we want to look at. I mean, this expected points concept that we were talking about earlier, uh, we started last season um, and he was a big driver for that. So, I mean, it's, I, I would say, you know, coach's ability to continue to adapt and always try to, to, to gain a competitive advantage 
um, combined with how hard he works all the time. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's put him in a position uh, to be on the cutting edge of this and, you know, to be ahead of the curve and, and continue to put us in positions to win games. Speaking of coach K Zach, obviously this is his, his final call, uh, his final season. What, what has that been like first the news and, you know, working with him through the summer and what is it, what do you think it'll be like as each game ticks down to the last of, of what I feel is the best coach in history? Yeah, I agree with you um, <laughs> regarding best coach in history for sure. Um, but I, you know, I would say, you know, for, for me, I, I'm not really thinking about it being his final or his last season right now. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm really just focused on trying to help us, help us win games and, you know, locked in with this team and this group and we're you know we're excited about this season and the journey that we're going to be on together and I think there'll come a time probably at the end of the year where you really take a step back and reflect and um, I'll always be you know incredibly grateful for the time that I've worked with coach Um, and he's he's given me the opportunity to pursue my dream Um, and that's something obviously I I can't thank him enough for but you know this it, it hasn't really it hasn't really hit yet in terms of it being, you know, this is his final season, right? We're, we're just very focused on this group and excited uh, to take it day by day and and looking forward to this journey uh, with the, with this team. Zach, are there times when you just sort of just look around Cameron indoor stadium, or maybe it's during a game and say, how cool is this whole experience that, that I'm having here? Definitely. Um, there, there's not a day that goes by here for me where, where I'm not incredibly grateful uh, to be a part of this and whether you're in Cameron looking at the banners um, by yourself or you're in there during a game uh, this place is incredibly special the tradition the history the, the success um, of this program is, is certainly nothing to ever be, take for granted and, and something that I'm incredibly lucky to be a part of I should have asked you this early on Zach but how did you get from cancer research to where you are now <laughs> yeah um, well when uh, very early on as a freshman at Duke, they have a, an activity fair where every club on campus has a booth or table um, out on the quad. And I, I met the managers um, that first day and applied for that for that job as a student. And a couple weeks later, ended up getting it. Um, and it's a four year commitment. So I, uh, I was locked in to, to be a part of this this team for my time as an undergrad and uh, as a sophomore manager was able to get my hands on some more scouting and analytics projects. I worked very closely with Kevin Cullen, my predecessor, who was here for a long time, who's now in the front office with the Washington Wizards. Um, And uh, obviously worked very closely with Coach Shire and our other assistants. Um, And as I got older as a student, uh, gained some more responsibility, some more trust. I spent two summers uh, as a video intern with the Miami Heat um, in their video room from my between my sophomore junior year and then my junior and senior year. So I, 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 got, I just was able to gain a lot of experience with video, with coaching video and analytics as a student um, so that by the time I, I was graduating, I was kind of ready for an entry level spot. There was one here for me and, and you know, coach was able to make was able to make me uh, make that work for me. Um, and that's that's really how I've gotten to where I'm at now. I mean, uh, have just been working with some really great people, have been able to learn a lot and been given a lot of responsibility and have been able to grow as a result of that. And, uh, you know, once I got that manager, once I got the manager position, I, I really never looked back. Um, complete 180, though, like you said, from going from cancer research to uh, to coaching, um, totally, a, totally different life there. But uh, that that's really how it happened for me. 
Zach, we'll let you go. So, Thank you so much for the time. Uh, great stuff. Uh, really enjoyed our visit and, and, and learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I call a lot of games, and sometimes I do wonder, it's like, you know, what what is useful for fans to to know about, you know, as far as advanced stats, and, and this really helps. So I uh, hope we can catch up with you again. All the best to you guys as uh, you head into the season here. Thanks a lot, Kevin and Chris. Thanks, buddy. That was Zach Marcus, the Director of Scouting and Analytics with Duke, which, of course, will be playing its final season under head coach Mike Krzyzewski this upcoming year, and uh, it will be interesting to see how things go. But, man, Chris, there are, there are a lot of really bright young people around not only college basketball but college athletics, as, as I've seen uh, even more of in, the, in these recent months working at Vanderbilt and seeing various programs and, and all the things that go into those. But, boy, Zach, to me, it was just fascinating to hear him talk about some of that and you know just talk about his interesting career path. He got, went from uh, thinking about working in cancer research to being part of one of the great basketball programs of all time, working with, with Coach K. So that, that, that's an, an interesting transition, but I know they're happy to have him over in Durham. It's his story is is a great one because I guess uh, he he explained how he ran into the Duke managers on the Commons uh, in at Duke and was immediately recruited into the fold. Zach uh, did, played high school ball, obviously didn't play at Duke, but he was a four year manager. And I was just taken by how quickly he's risen through the ranks and. He was just promoted in July to the to the uh, position that he has now. And the thing about him that I like is that he is willing to share what he knows. I've already got him mentoring one of my students huh. uh, who wants to be – he's a good enough writer to, to be a pro as a writer, but he's also uh, wants to be a coach, thinks he may want to be a coach. So we're going to give him an opportunity to – to see if that's really what he wants. And Zach has graciously offered to help him. So uh, thanks. Uh, he, he's definitely a, a smart young man. And it's, it's, he's indicative of, of this new vanguard of, of people that are coming into college athletics. They don't necessarily have a playing background, but they've certainly got numbers. Um, uh, the college athletics are recruiting a, a lot of uh, kids who have, have become lawyers uh, you know, it's just a new way of of thinking and doing things that, you know, before when the, the old football coach was kicked up tears to AD and he <laughs> hired all his cronies. Uh, yeah. It's not like that anymore. Yeah, it's it, more it, like a, a corporation. Chris, I want to finish on this, and this caught my attention the other day. Friend of the show, Fran Fraschilla, is on a cruise in Alaska. And uh, I know you said he uh, took along his uh, tablet copy of Blue Ribbon to, to check that out while he's there. But one thing he, he said on his tweet was that it was state number 49 for him. And the only one he has left is North Dakota, which if, wow. if you've uh, heard me uh, tell about my travels uh, anytime recently, I've, I've I've picked up a couple of new states this year. I, I added South Dakota while I was at the College World Series in Omaha. And then when we went on a football trip a couple weeks ago uh, to Colorado, I added Wyoming. I rented a car and drove up there on a Saturday morning. So for me, those are states 44 and 45. One of the ones I have left is North Dakota. So I, I tweeted back at Fran and said, hey, let's knock it out together. Let's go up uh, to North Dakota and do a basketball game sometime. And I, I thought that was funny that that was one of the ones he had left. And it was also uh, kind of humorous to see people follow up and say, yeah, okay, here's a list of the ones I have to go. And, and it, they were all over the map. Uh, it, it's funny to see people that have not – uh, they probably live out west somewhere that haven't necessarily been to the south. Like uh, one person was saying, I've never been to Alabama or Louisiana. 
and and to me like those are no brainers i mean those are ones i've been to tons of times but uh i, I thought that was really funny that, that fran tweeted that the other day it was cool too because uh remember i i, I told you that you were going to be the first to get the book uh i emailed you a copy and then fran was number two and he wrote me back immediately and his his text was oh my goodness <laughs> we're going on an alaskan cruise this week and i will devour this thank you <laughs> <laughs> and i know he will i know he will uh, despite i'm sure they're having fun and eating great food and whatever but uh he is a hoops junkies hoops junkie he, he and, is and uh he really appreciates blue ribbon and I appreciate that he appreciates it. You two would make a great team. Uh, whenever he's on, I don't care who the who the opponents are, I tune in because I'm going to learn something from, from Fran. He does his homework. And I actually met him for the first time at, at Vanderbilt. Huh. Uh, it was during an NIT game. They were playing Wichita State. And I just walked up to him and said, hey, I'm Chris from Blue Ribbon. And he – you know, he got up and shook my hand like we were long lost buddies. He said, man, I love what you do. And I said, man, I love what you do. And we went into the room and had some of uh, Vandy's pizza before the game. And we've been friends ever since. And it was a great game, too, because Vanderbilt beat Wichita State with 0.5 seconds left on the clock, having to inbounds the ball from the other end of the court. Uh, and managed to win that game. So it was memorable for a couple of reasons. Was it Corey Smith that uh, won the game for Vanderbilt? Yeah, yeah. And and he just, you know, he was a stocky guy, and he just caught that ball and, and muscled his way in there and scored. It was unbelievable. It's it just like Kevin Stallings drew it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, people forget that that guy had some X and an Owen going on. Yeah, that was that was a great there's, game. There's no question about that. Kevin Stallings is a terrific X and O's coach. Uh, no, no doubt about that. And and really, really had a nice career at Vanderbilt uh, through all those years. He did. Chris, uh, always great to do the show with you. Always a lot of fun. I, I started to ask you, have you been to Alaska? By the way, you know that's one on my list. Uh, uh, I've I've got to get there. I, I know that you went to the Great Alaska Shootout. Right? I did. Yep. And I, and I found Didn't out. Did you say that you had a, a meal with a family there, like a Thanksgiving meal, or yeah, we we actually or am I well, dreaming that? Well, we had our uh, as a team with Belmont. We had our Thanksgiving dinner in Alaska, and, and it was terrific. Uh, we had it at the team hotel, and it was just it was just a totally different feel uh, than, than you know being at home for Thanksgiving, which I, I actually had already had Thanksgiving dinner with my family before I left to come out there. But uh, I, I found out on my trip to Alaska that you cannot. Get up at 5 a.m. Central Time in Nashville, fly from Nashville to Dallas to Seattle to Anchorage, get off the plane and change clothes and do a basketball game, all without like spending a night and going to sleep at some point. That it just it oh, might it, it might work on paper, but it does not work when it comes to uh, actually uh, putting it into <laughs> putting it into practice. I have that game on tape, but I'm afraid to listen to it. There's no one telling what it sounds like. <laughs> Belmont played Alaska Anchorage, and uh, after the game was over, I, I almost just, like, laid down on the basketball court Ace and went, went to sleep. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it was it was an amazing experience. It was so much fun to go out there. and uh, I hate to and, see and that tournament's that. no longer yeah, around, I know, but I huh? guess they just couldn't compete with uh, Bahamas and Puerto Rico and all the places that, yeah. uh, you know, prior to last year uh, – had or have begun to host tournaments and uh, i'll be glad when things are normal again and uh puerto rico has, has been battered uh 
unfortunately, uh, with, with hurricanes and, and stuff. And, and, uh, I hate to see some of those tournaments kind of fall by the wayside, but I, I got to scratch off Alaska one of these days. I, people that have been there have told me it's just like Northern exposure where you might see a moose <laughs> walking down main street. And, uh, it, it was a new definition of cold was the, the one thing I remember about it, but it was, <laughs> it was a beautiful place. We'll do it again next time, Chris. Thanks as always, buddy. All right, buddy. Thanks. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.